inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas, and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya, and welcome to Time to Shine. Hello, and this interview is going to be super interesting for for anybody who is into STEM. Well, STEM particularly is a term that I saw it for a few years back, and first I didn't understand that it stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. So you know, you have an idea what we are going to talk about today. And for that, we have a special guest, a person who I saw in his website, he said that he started his journey in public speaking out of necessity. So okay, let, let's hear more about from himself. He is a public speaking coach, is the host of the Teach the Geek podcast, in which I was at the end of last year. So let's welcome from San Diego, California, Neil Thompson. Welcome, Neil. Thanks for having me, Oscar. It's a pleasure, Neil. Nice talking with you. It's a good morning for you. Here's already evening. Uh, we want to hear more about yourself, how how you became this speaking out of necessity. Tell me a bit of a journey in from your personal side, your professional side, and how everything led to this world of public speaking. Sure. I ended up studying engineering in school because my father said I should. When I finished high school, I wasn't really sure what, it, what, what I wanted to do. And he said that engineering would be good because they get paid pretty well. They're pretty good at math and science, so going to engineering. And since I didn't have any other, op- I wouldn't say options, I didn't really have any idea of what I wanted to do. I just did it. And so I, I went through school. I did engineering. I even did a, a master's in it, too. And then I got a job as a research associate at a startup company. And I was working mainly in the lab. There was no public speaking aspect of my job at all, no presentations to make, which I didn't mind. So my second job I took as a product development engineer, and that's what actually brought me out here to California. Mm-hmm. When I first took the job, I thought I was just going to be product development, similar tasks to what I was doing as a research associate. But a few months into the job, I was told I was going to be a project lead. And what that meant was the company was too cheap to hire project managers, so they pushed that responsibility on the product development engineers. One of those responsibilities was giving project progress updates mm-hmm. to senior management on a monthly basis. So we're talking the CEO, the COO, VP of R&D, all the people with corner offices, and I had to talk to them every month. And those first few presentations that I gave were absolutely horrendous. Mm-hmm. I did not know it was possible to sweat that profusely out of one's body. But I knew I had to get better at it because I didn't want to look like a fool every time I had to give a presentation in front of these people. I also noticed that a lot of the other engineers weren't all that much better at it than I was. But I I certainly got better at it over time. And I took everything that I learned in becoming more effective in public speaking, and I turned it into a course called Teach the Geek to Speak. Earlier this year, I decided that just having a one-off course wasn't enough and that I wanted to offer more ongoing subscriptions ongoing support to those who wanted to get better at mm-hmm. their presentations and in public speaking. So I developed a membership called the Teach the Geek to Speak Society. So in addition to the course, people who are in the membership get access to monthly calls and then also a private Facebook group. Wow, excellent. excellent. Congratulations for that. Thank you. Okay, so you 
Yeah, actually, in my case also with with studying engineering and well, I didn't have exactly that experience as you had. Though you were forced to um, to speak to um, top executives, which of course, if you are not trying for that, is is it's really hard. No, no doubt about that. So, how how many years ago is that you start the, into speaking and, and and the coaching and training? How many well, years? I started the public speaking at that second job, so that was in 2008. But then the I started teaching the geek in 20, let's see, we're in 2021, so 2018. Mm-hmm. So it was so it was a bit of a, a lag, I suppose, between when I first had to start giving presentations and when I started teaching the geek. But I think that that lag was important because it, it gave me the opportunity to get better at it myself. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like as if it was somebody who just, saw the need to get better at it and then you know the next day decided i'm gonna build a course around it now it was someone who got a lot of reps of having to give these, pre- these presentations who got sent out to various conferences and, and meetings to give presentations to to then develop something that could be of use to other people who want to get better at their public speaking yeah absolutely so you brought us already in your personal story this this issue of talking to non-technical people, executives. There are def- different type of non-technical people. Top executives are one type. There are, there are, can be a, like a general audience, like people who even uh, are, are not into business. And of course, the others um, is when you speak to other engineers, so very different audiences. So tell us, tell us a bit more about if we focus on non-technical audiences, tell me a bit more about the what is the problem, the issue, what are the the challenges that happen there? I mean, the number one rule I think of public speaking is knowing your audience. Mm. So if you're talking to a if you're an engineer talking to a, other engineers, they're likely going to understand the technical jargon that you use in, in your job. But when you talk to these senior management type and people that are just non-technical, they won't. So if you if you use those types of, of, of speech or language or technical jargon, they're likely not going to listen all that much and not going to engage. Oftentimes, and when I first started giving these, these presentations in front of senior management, that's something I certainly didn't take into account. I would use all these words and mm-hmm. they wouldn't understand them. And so I'd get a lot of questions after my presentation that I thought I had answered during the presentation. But because I presented it in such a way that these senior management types couldn't understand, now I have to answer these questions and essentially I wasted everyone's time. I wasted my time. I wasted their time, just time, time wasted. So when, when it comes to talking to non-technical audiences, it's really important to talk to their level. And one way to do that is to use analogies. So when I was working at, at that second job, though, the one where I had to give those presentations in front of management, I was working in a group called Orthobiologics. So I guess I should back up a bit. The company was a spinal implant and instrumentation company, and I was working on spinal implants that are made out of human cadaver bone. And so the bone or the cells that make up bone are called osteoblasts. So mm-hmm. anybody that works in orthobiologics would know that, but mm-hmm. a senior management type may not. So it's really important to explain what an osteoblast is. It's a bone forming cell. And before you even start using it in your presentation, because you can be mentioning it numerous times, osteoblast this, osteoblast mm-hmm. that. And if they don't understand what an osteoblast is, they're just going to go right over their head. And then afterwards, the presentation, then you get the question, what's an osteoblast? It's like, damn, if you didn't understand what an osteoblast is, you probably didn't understand this entire presentation. Mm. <laughs> so it's really important to take that into account 
when you're putting your presentation together is, is knowing the level of your audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't know either this term. And there's so many of those terms, of course. They are so niche that people in the same field can be, maybe they don't even understand terms that a special niche of the same field. Um, yeah, indeed. There's a there's a big difference in one of you the one you already mentioned is the if you call it the language or the terminology, you know, just to change the language you speak to a top executive or, or for a different audience is is key on your on your success on that. But if you can tell me the well if you can summarize what are the top advice you give for speaking for yeah, not, not only technical people of course, speaking to non technical audiences. Sure. So there's that first one I mentioned is, is knowing your audience. And then another another one is, is, a, is a big pet peeve of mine, but it's timing. So if you were given a certain amount of time to present, stick within that time. Especially when you're talking to senior management types who are busy, mm -hmm. you really want to make sure that the presentation that you give is within the allotted time. So for instance, if you're given 15 minutes, don't talk for 15 minutes. Practice your, your presentation so that you're finishing I'd say at 14 minutes. So at least mm -hmm. if you use any kind of ad-libbing, you have a minute to, to play with so that you still finish within the 15 minutes. And then another, another tip that I would offer is when it comes to slides, don't put a whole bunch of text on the slide so that people end up reading as opposed to listening to what you have to say. Because ultimately it's, it's public speaking, not public reading. Instead, instead of <laughs> having a, a slides chock full of text, I highly suggest using pictures that you can talk to. And another, another, uh, I guess, bonus for that is you're not reading the slides. You, it's, it forces you to really know your material well so that you're able to speak to the slides. And then the, the, the other bonus is that the people in the audience can't read the slides. They either have to listen or ignore you. So you can eliminate the option of reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah, excellent. And that actually, the, the, the second one you said, the timing is, is very important, of course. First of all, because especially top executives, as you said, don't have time. Don't have time. They want just the give me the point. The, this come and tell me the points that you that you are going to to share. Busy people, of course. And actually, as you said, if it's fifteen minutes, force yourself to make it in like fourteen or even even a bit less. And that would definitely will be a a very useful exercise to to help you to compact to to make your ideas even clearer, even for yourself. So by doing that will will definitely help you a lot. So it's the timing is super important there. And then the picture the the slides, of course, yeah, that's one of the biggest mistakes. And not only in, in, in technical presenters, but many presenters, unexperienced presenters putting too much on the on the same slide. So the use of picture is, is absolutely a great tool to, to substitute so people don't read exactly people don't read on your slides so if you can also tell me a bit how um, in in those years that you were becoming a speaker and until the this the very last years when you already have your business and yeah trainer trainer coach and speaker in these years in the middle tell me what are the top i don't know resources or ways to how you learn? You learn by uh, books, by you had a coach, you have a, I don't know, which one you would say they had the most, the biggest influence on who you are as a speaker, a trainer and coach? 
when it comes to public speaking, as in anything in life, you can read all the books, listen to the, all the podcasts, you know, watch all the videos you want, but you don't get better at it unless you actually do it. So in addition to those presentations that I had to give in front of management, there are also running meetings as a part of the of the team, the product development team. So mm-hmm. when I worked in medical devices, I was a product development person. There was a marketing person, an operations person, a regulatory affairs person, and we'd have meetings monthly meeting bi-weekly meetings on the project and i would run those meetings so that was also another opportunity to practice presenting in front of people then i also joined toastmasters i was a member for a number of years for those of you all that don't know it's an international organization that helps people improve their public speaking skills their presentation skills no matter where i was living at the time i would join a toastmasters club and it offers an excellent forum to practice your presentation skills so for those of you all that are are thinking about improving public speaking, I, I highly recommend Toastmasters as well. The reason I would even develop Teach the Geek in, you know, despite the fact that I was a member of, of Toastmasters is Toastmasters is very, uh, I, I guess you could say generic. It's, it's just help anybody with public speaking, regardless of whatever industry you come from. But I developed Teach the Geek specifically to help people in STEM, mm-hmm. science, technology, engineering, and math, because perhaps some of the issues that we have in public speaking wouldn't necessarily be covered in a more generic Toastmasters form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Of course, Toastmaster also. I'm, I belong to Toastmaster International. And it's a, it's a, but I like the way that you, you answer. The top is practiced. So that's, that was basically your answer. The top was practice via Toastmaster being active there. And also, of course, the other, the one you said earlier, which is in your role, so working as an engineer, you were leading meetings, so taking every opportunity inside your work to to keep improving yourself, so so practices was the key. So, yeah, excellent, excellent advice, and I couldn't agree more on that. So one one more thing also, just out of curiosity, we talk about STEM. So from, from the four letters, so science, technology, engineering, and math, from which of these... Well, if we, if we call it fields, there are more people um, actively learning public speaking. For for instance, the people who are um, working with you, your uh, your coaches, your students, they come largely from science or engineering. What would you say? Probably the T and the E, so tech and engineering. So there's a lot of, of tech companies here in the California area. And so that's likely the the reason for that. And then engineering, because that's where I come from specifically. Mm-hmm. So perhaps, you know, people see that I used to work as an engineer, then, then perhaps this, is, this person offers more, I guess, credibility. When it comes to mm-hmm. science and, and math, well, obviously science and math, you have to study when you do, when, you, when you're in engineering school. So that's where the, the S and the M come into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, just curiosity, yeah. <laughs> so, Neil, could you share with us what is your favorite quotation? My favorite quotation. If everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. It's <laughs> a good one. And I, I, I'm, I'm the one that came up with it. Ah, it's it's your quote. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Because oftentimes, you know, you'll be in situations where. You, you're given a whole lot of things to do. You have to, you have to make some kind of list because it, it, it's not possible 
to focus on many things at, at the same time. I mean, the whole idea of multitasking, I think, has been debunked. Hmm. It's just, you, you can only, the, a human being can only focus on, on one thing at a time. So you yes. have to make some sort of list as to you know, what's the most pressing matter to address at the time and, you know, make, and then everything else falls into place after that. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I can feel it myself also as well uh, because I have my list of things and then I prioritize. And at some point, my top are seven. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's I already, <laughs> yeah, already broke the rules. So, yeah, the top, the priority should be like, as you said, one or maybe two. That's it. So, that's where you can put your attention on. And it's a speaking moment. And could you also recommend us? One book that has been particularly inspiring, influential for you? Okay, yeah. Well, there's mine. So I I wrote a book called Teach the Geek to Speak, and it's a it's a it's a short read, but I made it that way on purpose because I want people to actually finish it. I have a friend who makes fun of me well, on the fact that I don't like reading long books. I've actually started listening to books now, mm -hmm. so that I don't have to actually. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me sound like a fool, but so I don't actually have to read them. But hey, at least I, I, I get through the books because, you know, you know, listening is better than, than not reading or listening at all. So there, there's mine, Teach the Geek to Speak. And then I'm a big fan of reading bi uh, biographies mm -hmm. and autobiographies. So I, I really like, I really like stories. And when it comes to public speaking, storytelling is really important. And that's something I never really thought about when I first started giving presentations. But especially if you're talking to people who are outside of your, your field of expertise, they're really going to be interested in hearing stories because when you're even when you were a child, when your parents read you a bedtime story, it's something you loved. But as we get older, for some reason, especially if it comes to more technical presentations, we get away from it because we don't think it's appropriate. But if you're able to put that technical information in the form or, or couch it in a story, it's more likely to, to land with the audience and people are more likely to listen. Yeah, absolutely. And tell me, just to have one and put it on the show notes, one just one book on about biographies. Which biography book have you recently read, or just pick one and tell tell me a bit? Oh, sure. Well, actually, well, I do like I do like biographies. Well, I will say that the book that I, I recently read that really resonated with me was called The Selling Staircase. But there was a, I, actually, I'll, I'll name two. I'll name, because I did mention biographies. So one I, I recently read was called Can You Hear Me Now? And it was written by a woman named Selena Caesar Chavan. And she was a, a member of parliament in the Canadian government for, I think, a term. So she was talking about her early life moving from Grenada to Canada. Mm -hmm. And then her life as a as a child in living in uh, her formative years living in Canada, and then also her her life working in the government and the the ups and downs she had during that term. So that was an interesting book. So it's called "Can You Hear Me Now?" Selena Caesar Chavan. And then another book that I read recently is called "The Selling Staircase," and it's by mm -hmm. a woman called Nikki Rausch. And it's essentially about the I guess the her her way of of selling. It was really eye-opening actually because mm -hmm. one of the things that she mentioned in the book is that selling isn't something that you do to people it's something you do with people because oftentimes we feel like we're being sold to but it's it's, it's, it's it, we're, we're, that's not the the best way at least according to her to go about selling anything it's 
something that should be more, I guess, collaborative with the mm-hmm. people that you're talking to or you're trying to sell to or, you know, to sell. And then another thing that she mentioned in the book is that when it comes to selling, you're, it, the goal of the seller is not to convince somebody to buy. It's to present the offer and then offer them, uh, I guess, the, what the next steps could be or even asking them what the next step should be. So not every person that you're talking to is an ideal buyer. And mm-hmm. just because that's the case, you, you're not meant to sell to everybody. And But I think oh. a lot of sellers get a bad rap because they're just looking to push their product <laughs> on, on whomever is willing to buy and they're using, willing to use any kind of tactic to do so. And so reading her book was rather refreshing to see that there are sellers out there that I guess are more ethical and, and see that selling doesn't have to be this dirty word. Mm. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Okay, could you now share with us an exercise, something practical that you would recommend us doing it regularly, a routine to shine? Well, when it comes to to public speaking, I, I did mention practicing, but not only just practicing, but videoing yourself doing it. And I know a lot of people perhaps don't want to see themselves on video, but you <laughs> notice quite a bit when you look at yourself on video, you'll notice any sort of filler words that you use, because oftentimes we use a lot more filler words like, um, ah, uh, you know, and so than we think we do. So just knowing those words and when you use them, it gives you the opportunity to minimize them if, if you care to. And then it, you also notice other quirks that you use as you do during your, your presentations. Perhaps you pat your, I remember this story from when I was a member of Toastmasters and, and this is a, quite interesting. So I was in a, a speech contest. Well, I wasn't in the contest. I was an evaluator and there's mm-hmm. a person giving of the presentation and I, and myself and another person were evaluated and I focused on, well, after the person presented, I focused more on what the person said during the presentation, but the other evaluator didn't focus on that at all. They focused on all the nonverbal things that the person did. So mm-hmm. they, they noticed that the person was patting their leg with their hand oh. while they were presenting. And I didn't notice that at all. So it's just, it, it, it goes to show that when you're presenting what the things that other people notice so that mm-hmm. because of that, these are things that you could pick up and, and notice yourself. So the verbal, whatever you talk about, the, the verbal things that you say, and then also the, the nonverbal things that you do during your presentation. And then you make the decision as to whether those are things you want to improve on or not. And you can do all that by videoing yourself and then watching the video afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Our nonverbal language can can betray us quite quite often. So and we don't notice unless, as you say, either someone tells you, which is not often. Not often you will have someone to tell you, or you record yourself and you you see it and and you find out it's it's something that has to be improved or not. Well, thanks a lot for this last piece of advice. Please let us know how people can um, learn more about your job. How people can get in touch with you, please. Sure. You can go to teachthegeek.com. And if you're interested in the Teach the Geek to Speak Society, you can find it there. It's a teachthegeek.com slash teach the geek to speak society. And then also, I think you mentioned earlier that I have a podcast myself mm. where I speak to people like you, people that work in the STEM fields that, that are giving presentations and they offer their advice on ways to improve. And one of the benefits of the, of the interviews also is learning people's journeys mm. and because it's, oh, it's, it's quite interesting actually because people might start off in one place and then end up somewhere completely different 
So to get access to the podcast, you can go to youtube.teachthegeek.com. Yeah, absolutely. Highly recommended the Teach the Geek podcast. Again, thanks a lot, Neil, and all the best. Thanks again, Oscar. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Did you like it? Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or visit us at timetoshinepodcast.com. Until next time, 